podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Runner, the Anfield Index podcast hosted by me, Sachin Akrani. No, you haven't gone back in time for 2015. It is 2020 and we are all trapped in our homes because of coronavirus. Indeed, that's the very reason why I'm back to host this one-off episode of the podcast I used to regularly host ages ago um, to give you all some Liverpool content during this incredibly quiet time for Liverpool content and quite frankly, to give me something to do. Uh, and I'm happy to announce I'm joined by two friends from the runner from way back in the day, Neil Paul and Henry Jackson. Lads, all well? All good, thanks, mate. As, as good as can be. Yeah, yourself? Um, up and down, yeah. Very well. I mean, you know, Liverpool being 25 points clear and, you know, this all happening winning the league. is, is yeah. ideal, but then I suppose there are more, more important things than that at the moment. Well, there are, there are, but also I'm not going to feel guilty about saying I'm massively pissed off when this global pandemic has struck. I mean, of yeah. all the fucking seasons it could have happened, the one where we're 25 points clear and two games away from the league, I mean, we are absolutely cursed as far as this title's it concerned. Is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, literally thought, yeah. I mean, thought nothing could stop us this year and um, here we go. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, Can I just say, no, Sachin, if, yeah, if, for it. if, if, this and Henry as well, obviously. If this is made null and void uh, this season, I don't think it will be. But if it is, I will be leaning very heavily into alternative facts and creating my own reality. And I really hope that Liverpool do just, you know, their wall of trophies or whatever they call it, where they put, you know, it's got all the trophies and the numbers yeah, on it. Yeah. If you yeah. just, just whack it up as 19, honestly, and you yeah. just. Some team in, uh, I think it's in Brazil or somewhere who've done, who've done that, where they never officially won something, but it's there in all of the historic literature. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. we, we've won it. Yeah, I'd, t- yeah. I'd take that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, I mean, me and you, Neil, we were chatting on WhatsApp about this yesterday, weren't we? I just, I, the null and void thing, I and mean, we won't get into this because it's a separate, it's a separate podcast entirely, but I just can't see how that's even feasible for so many reasons. You know, it's just a ridiculous idea. I think there's one or two options is either we finish this season or we stop as we are and you just give us, you know, everyone finishes as they are right now. Just the null and void thing is, is absolutely yeah. mad. But, um, but yeah, anyway, how's, um, how's self-isolation treating everyone? Neil, you've got a headache, haven't you? Slightly worrying me. I have, I have had a headache since this time last night, um, that I'm struggling to shake off. But that might be the fact that I've been in the house with the kids for the week, yeah. trying to work and homeschool and not actually homeschool and then feeling terrible guilt of being a terrible father and wrecking their education. So I think, to be honest, the headache's more likely to happen as opposed to a virus such was. Yeah, well, we were saying off air uh, before, before we started recording that I, I had a headache sort of when it's all really got going about couple of weeks ago whenever it was and uh but i think that's the least of the worrying symptoms i think it's the cough and the the temperature and the shortness of breath which is the big worry I've, I've, yeah. I've got a cough but I've, I've had a cough since i reckon august last year so, <laughs> so it's just, it just hasn't left so i'm not too concerned because it's just been lingering so if you do hear me coughing yeah. all during this then don't be too concerned you may have been the first ever person to contract coronavirus maybe didn't possibly we've had maybe slightly sorry which means that I'm essentially the curse for Liverpool yeah. not winning the league. Again, about right. <laughs> right, excellent. Well, let's get into no, this. No, I'm, I'm all good. Yeah, no, no, of course. Sorry, yeah, I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are, yeah. Let's, let's all stay as safe and healthy as we can during this absolutely horrific, weird, bizarre time. Um, excellent. So let's get into this. So what we're going to do is we're going to play a game, uh, try and line the mood and have a bit of fun as I said, during this very strange, weird time. And it's a game, actually, I played on the run with Carl Kopak and James Dutton way back, I think it was in 2016. Uh, and it worked really well, so I thought I'd bring it out cold storage and do it again and update it a little bit. So back then, what me, Carl and James did was we picked a Liverpool eleven from players from three different decades. Then it was the 80s, 90s and noughties. This time, it's going to be players from the 90s, noughties and the 2010s. And the way it will work is we'll be picking a team of 4-3-3 formation and we'll each nominate a player for each position in that formation. Neil will nominate a player from the 90s. I'll nominate one from the 
noughties, and Henry has an easy job of nominating one from the 2010s. Uh, we'll then have a little chat about each player, uh, why we think they should or should not be in the team, and then we'll vote for who gets the, the respective positions. Now, key rule, you cannot vote for your own player. So, for instance, Neil nominates player A, I nominate player B, and Henry nominates player C for goalkeeper. Neil can only then vote for player B or C. I can only vote for player A or C. And Henry can only vote for player A or B. Now, I did think there couldn't be a tie, given there are three of us, but then it dawned on me there actually can be. So if that happens, um, I don't actually know what we'll do. Um, we'll just cut that picture when we come to. I think one of us will just have to relent and change our vote, but hopefully it won't happen. If it does happen, you know, we'll just... I'm happy to change mine, so it'll be fine. I don't think we'll get into an argument. Right, so Neil, Henry and I have picked players for each position. Picked our players for each position. I've got some basic stats on each, which I'll read out as we go. I should say they all, all the stats come from lfchistory.net, which I'm sure as many of you will know, uh, is a brilliant database for Liverpool facts, figures, uh, player history details, match reports, old match reports, etc. So that's where all the facts and figures are coming from. Um, Neil, before we start, I should say you doing the 90s is uh, controversial stroke interesting because as you told me when I invited you to come onto this game and do the 90s, it's a, a bit of a weird decade for you, wasn't it? Uh, do you want to talk about your wilderness years before we get going? Yeah, yeah, I, I do have a few wilderness um, football years from around ninety, about ninety two to sort of the to about ninety seven. So obviously, I my my first memory of like football and whatever is uh, nineteen eighty six cup final um, against Everton. I start mm. going actually with my dad and my brother in nineteen eighty seven and eighty eight. Which is a great year to start because that's the year we went twenty nine on the bounce plants, Eldridge, Houghton, Beardsley. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's it's that it's that year. And when we get to around nineteen ninety two, Sunes comes in, and then also around that time, uh, nineteen ninety two, I'm fourteen. So at this point, a little bit like Ross, I was in Friends. I start concentrating <laughs> on my music, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm growing my hair long, and. Um, I'm into me rock and me heavy metal, and there's a group of us in school, just like four or five of us who are like that. And then around this time, um, I spend most of my time getting uh, chased around the streets of Liverpool by lads in trackies um, and whatever. And then, so, so, you know, it all becomes a little bit tribalistic, and you know, you don't want to be like them. And obviously, the lads in track, I like football, I love football, you know, um, but all of the lads in trackies really like football as well. And you sort of want to distance yourself from them. So in those sort of years between ninety two and ninety seven, obviously I'm still following Liverpool and everything, but I actually stopped going to the match and I was sort of like less interested. Get to get to the age of like seventeen, eighteen, around like nineteen ninety seven. Um, actually move away, go to university, and all of a sudden I'm not being um, chased around anymore. Or the lads trying to kick me head in, and then um, I take ownership back of the thing that I'd always loved, and I sort of start getting into it more. So that little period, and and then obviously since then, you know it, you know it it is what it is. So that little period between like ninety two, ninety six, ninety seven, obviously I'm still following it and whatever, but not with the same like absolute all encompassing way in which it like it, it it encompasses your whole life as it did, like from eighty six to ninety two, and then from like nineteen ninety seven um, onwards. So I've still got the knowledge and whatever, but my actual like as a Personal experience, anecdotal knowledge is a little bit more vague in those years, but uh, but, uh, but late nineties and uh, late nineties, I'm all over it. So we'll be laughing. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I did say I was happy to swap, and I'll do the nineties and you do the nineties, but you were keen to still do the nineties, mm-hmm. so that's all good. Um, and actually, your first choice, so the first thing we're going to talk about is your your choice for goalkeeper. Does suggest your knowledge of the nineties. Is a bit uh, is a bit off, but let's go with it anyway. It's an interesting one. So Neil's choice for goalkeeper. Do you want to say who it is? Okay, I've got Brad Friedel. Right, okay. okay. Well, before you get into it, let me let me say let me read Brad Friedel's uh, stats then. Okay. okay. So he joined Liverpool on the nineteenth of December, nineteen ninety seven, for one million pounds from Columbus Crew. His last appearance for Liverpool was the twenty third of October, nineteen ninety nine. Total appearance is thirty one. No goals. No honours. Neil. Um, funky choices, got to say, given he only played 31 times for Liverpool. I think I played, I played 31 times for Liverpool. So, um, do you want to explain why Dr. Friedel over, say, David James? Okay, he's not David James, that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I mean, I don't know if you 
the criteria for our decade was that the player debuted in that in that uh, season, yeah, uh, or, or if they were, sorry, if they were yeah. a, a young player, they were um, that was you know, they were either signed in that year, or if they were a young player, they debuted in that year. That's yeah. the criteria, isn't it? That's right. I should say that. Sorry, I left that out. That's really important. Yeah. So the players you're picking, they either signed for Liverpool in that decade, or from the academy player, they made their debut in that decade. Yeah. So sorry, I should have said that at the start. Yeah. No, that's absolutely correct. Right. Okay, so my, so that means essentially, I think I've got a choice there of David James, Brad Friedel, Sander Vesterveld. There might be some sort of deserved goalies in there mm. that I've, I've forgot about. Okay, David James to me, uh, just no, you know, <laughs> anyone who comes out and sort of says, uh, oh, I haven't got my concentration because I've been playing on a Game Boy, and he epitomised <laughs> all of that, that made horrible. Uh, oh, by the way, kids, look up what a Game Boy is. Um, was it a PlayStation? Uh, it was a PlayStation, wasn't it? Before Paris Saint-Germain. Was it a Game Boy? Oh, okay. Honestly, I'm, I'm pretty certain it was. But right, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be corrected. So there's that. Then you've got Sander Vesterveld. Sander Vesterveld, I didn't mind, actually. I mean, you know, obviously, he, he, you know, he parted the treble winning uh, season in um, 2000, 2001, and all of that. Well, Brad Friedel, okay. I haven't actually picked him for this time at Liverpool. So I know at Liverpool he played very few games. Um, and I know at Liverpool he felt very much, because I do, I mean, I do recall, I mean, as, as I said, I'm still, I'm still, you know, watching it. Um, it felt like a continuation of, like, oh, oh, of bad keepers, because without David James, Brad Friedel came in and he wasn't great. But I think if you look at Brad Friedel's career once he leaves Liverpool, he, he has a good career, you know, once he leaves yeah, us, he goes yeah. to Blackburn. He goes to Villa. I think he plays until he's like, is he? I'm sure he plays until he's 40. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he actually finishes his career. He's had, you know, he's had a good Premier League career and he's, he's a well respected goalie. I remember him, he's played well against us. And, you know, he's, and he, he got a lot better, you know, after us and he become much more seasoned. So I'm not choosing for, um, necessarily for his four who played for Liverpool. But if I've got a choice of, you know, David James, if, if, you know, no, I'm saying nothing. The rest of will do, like, you know, had a couple of good seasons, can kick the ball really far, uh, you know, won trophies or whatever. But, you know, you've got the ice on the gloves in Middlesbrough and all of that sort of thing. It became become a little bit of a joke. <laughs> yeah. I think if you yeah. look at those three keepers and then you look where they ended their careers, who's the most respected career, who had the, the better career, then I will go for Brad Friedel. That's fair enough. I should say, actually, completely coincidentally, I was having a chat with a, with a journalist who covered Liverpool in the 90s this week. Uh, it actually started because we were talking about Julian Dix slightly randomly, but he said, actually, at the time at Liverpool, there was a real feel within the squad that Brad Friedel got a real harsh deal from from Roy Evans, actually, that he kind of got the blame every time he was playing and Liverpool lost. Um, in terms of internally, there was a sense that Evans was quite harsh on him. He'd drop him almost immediately if he had a poor game, get James back in. And actually, the board weren't particularly happy because they'd, they'd actually have to work quite hard to sign him because it involved getting a work permit because he was coming in from America. So they wanted to see him actually play a bit. So there was a real sense of he just was quite badly treated at, um, at Liverpool by Evans in the, in the sense that he wasn't given a proper go. And as you say, he's definitely a good keeper because he went on had a really good career. He was at Villa, Spurs, um, maybe another Blackburn as well, wasn't he? He was really good at Blackburn yeah. as well. So. So yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah, Henry, any, any any thoughts on Friedel? I don't know if you remember uh, I mean, seeing. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the 90s is sort of when I started watching it, and in my head, he was just. I agree with Neil that David James was crap, basically. But in my head at the time, Friedel was sort of the same as him. Like it was just mm. a. It was an era of, of terrible goalkeepers for us who just weren't good enough. And I, every time, every time he came in for James, I was never happy about it. But then I, I was probably. Point, only sort of 10 or something like that, and probably not old enough to properly judge him. But he certainly he never, I agree that he had a great career, probably one of the best Premier League goalkeepers of all time, in a way, in terms of longevity. But certainly, sort of Liverpool wise, he didn't really contribute much. But it's interesting what you say about him being harshly treated. Okay. Yeah, what, what I would say is, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not picking from the best. <laughs> I, I'm fully, fully, I'm fully, fully aware he's not getting in our eleven. <laughs> yeah, well, that's almost certain. So let's get on to somebody who is a genuine contender for this team. Uh, that's my selection uh, from the noughties, and it's of course Pepe Reina. So he joined Liverpool on the fourth of July two thousand and five for six million pounds from Villarreal. His last appearance was on the nineteenth of May two thousand and thirteen. He made three hundred ninety-four appearances. 
He obviously scored no goals, and he won the European Super Cup, the FA Cup, and League Cup. Now, without well, I was going to say without a doubt, before the man who Henry's going to pick, he was without a doubt the best keeper I'd seen in my career for Liverpool. Because, as you say, the nineties was just a roll call of absolute dog shit goalkeepers, and then even the sort of good ones in the early noise like Dudek and Vestavel weren't great and were massively flawed. Kirkland was obviously hugely injured. Um, so I think if the guy that Henry's going to mention wasn't around, I think he's an absolute shoo-in for this team. I think he was genuinely world-class for about two or three years under Rafa, around sort of 06 to about 09. Phenomenal distribution. Um, great shot stopper. Commanded his box really well. Big personality in a, in a, in a team of big personality, especially that team of 08, 09. Um, and was absolutely, yeah, was absolutely brilliant. And he went really crap at the end, which was a shame. But I still think, I thought it at the time, and I still think it now. Obviously, he left far too early. Um, it was kind of a mess, wasn't it? If I remember, like he was going to go to Barcelona, but then he didn't, and then yeah. Rogers, out of stubbornness, still sold him. I think something mad like that. Um, but of course, he's back now playing for Villa, and in the last ever Premier League game that may have ever been played, he did have a bit of a mare against Leicester. But uh, no, absolute world class goalkeeper uh, and one of the best keepers Liverpool have ever had, in my opinion. Um, but let's go on to the guy Henry's going to pick because he has thrown um, a spanner in the works as far as Rain's concerned. Henry, your choice is, of course... Simon Mignolet. Simon Mignolet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, to be fair, like, uh, I sort of have a lot of time for Rain because I, mean, I think it's sort of forgotten about how good he was those first yeah. few years. But he fell off the cliff. I remember that mistake in the last minute against Arsenal when he sort of yeah. spilled it over the line. And, but I mean, but he was, became made a proper dom, didn't he? Yeah, he just yeah. couldn't save a yeah. shot in the end. Yeah. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. But he was, for two or three years, he was great. But I think, yeah. you know, for me, it's a no-brainer. And Alisson's my choice. Okay. Um, Before we get on to him, let me go through his old stats as well. Yeah. So he, uh, he joined Liverpool on the 19th of July, 2018, with £65 million for Roma. Uh, no last appearance, obviously. Still played for the club. 79 appearances so far. No goals. He has won the Champions League and the Club World Cup. And before I let you get in on him, Henry, the one thing I'll say about Alisson, every time I watch Alisson play, and this probably shows you what a bitter human being I am, I actually get, I actually love watching him play, and I also get really angry that for so long we had to put up with Simon Minure and Loris <laughs> Carriers. It just makes me quite furious, because when you see a proper goalkeeper for Liverpool, you realise how shit those two were, for, you know, and they were in goal, they were swapping positions for so long. But anyway, <laughs> go on to, to Alisson, he's, he's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, he he really is a colossus. When we signed him, I remember sort of um, watching the 2018 World Cup, and he had a couple of moments. We were linked with him strongly at the time. He had a couple of moments in that where I wasn't massively impressed with him, and he'd obviously just conceded five at Anfield as well. And I think I even tweeted at the time saying I wasn't sure if he was overrated, but he's proven me so wrong. In the last two years, he's just apart from Van Dijk, who I'm sure will will be mentioned later. I think he's probably up there with the two, three most important signings under Klopp. Um, I think you sort of only have to look at those two Champions League finals, what happened to Carius, and mm. how, one, how one player cost Liverpool in the, in the club's, club football's biggest game, to then 12 months later, Alisson making what, three or four big saves in the final, when mm. you know we were up against it a bit late on. We were in control for most of it, but he still you know, saved from Ericsson. That just sort of summed him up. And I think he, he is just, for me, the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, I think part of his brilliance is that if you actually look for a highlights reel from him, you won't actually see that many incredible saves and things like that because he is that good that his positional sense and his speed of feet and everything, everything he does most of the time is just so perfect that, you know, most saves that normal goalkeepers make look great, he just makes it look very easy. So I think he, people almost take him for granted because more often than not, he's not forced into making great saves because he's just there in the right place so yeah he's been he's been absolutely huge and he's just shown he's shown the difference that a great goalkeeper can make just like Schmeichel did at United for all those years in the 90s Can I just say this I totally agree mm. with Henry in terms of this season in particular um, you know whether it finishes or not one of the the most pervading and common images that we've just seen again and again and again is that when you know players from the opposition taking shots often on the edge of the eighteen yard box or whatever, and you're like, oh, let's see what happens, and it's just him collecting it, scooping it up with his arms, bringing it into his chest, and just falling on the ball. I mean, you just see, yeah. and it's just like, and everything is, it's like I've seen him do that so many times. It is exactly what Henry just said. Henry spot on. It's just this 
always have always in the right place at the right time. He's he's the antithesis of Pickford. And I'm, I'm not doing like yeah. a Liverpool yeah. Everton thing here. But you know, like Pickford is very much one, you know, saves for the camera and like diving around like, you know, like looking like fish. Like or like, you know, like you know, on the side. Yeah. But yeah, Allison is just I don't know. And I, and I agree with you, Satya, as well. I mean, Rayner was great for those few years. Um, with Rayner, Rayner actually had a little bit of a dodgy start. I remember he left that one in there, but the, the, the derby of uh, Goodison, that was such yeah. a bit small. But he, he sort of came through that, and he was brilliant for those uh, few years. Even though Allison hasn't been here as long as Rayner, he is that level above again. I mean, he is genuine, genuine world class. Um, and you know, is it a debate of not even just like world class? Like, is he the one of the best goalies now? Is he's in a, he's in a conversation of is he one of the best goalies of maybe like the Premier League era for me? He's that good. Yeah, I think yeah. the comparison with Pickford is really good because that comes down to a mentality thing. Pickford is yeah. possibly the most highly strong footballer there's ever been, and that reflects <laughs> the position in his performances. He just cannot stay calm, whereas Allison is the personification of calmness, and that leads to him being. Absolutely awesome. No, all right. So I think we know what how this is going to go, but let's vote anyway. Henry, let's start with you because you've got a, a really you've got an open net, haven't you, to pick from? So who are you going to select, Brad Friedel or Pepe Reina? It's got to be Reina for me. It's got to be Reina. Yeah, I've got a pretty easy one. Obviously, uh, I'll pick Allison between him and Brad Friedel. So it comes down to Neil. Neil, who are you picking, Pepe Reina or Alison Becker? Alison. Fair enough. Yeah, can't argue with that. That's absolutely fair enough. Excellent. Right. So, Alison is the goalkeeper of our team. Right, let's get on to right-backs. Um, this is a really strong one all the way through, I think. Three really, really uh, good players for Liverpool. Um, or, or just just fantastic servants for the club. Let's go on to Neil's choice then. Neil, so who's your right-back? Okay, my right-back's Rob Jones. If I could just okay. make a quick... Uh, right, I picked Rob yeah. Jones because he was the best right-back in the 90s. As you know, Satchin, I was very, very keen to have Vergard Hagen, right? You know, we just don't, all our players, we have a little sort of soft spot for, right? Albert Moreno, or Moreno, was like a piled land of Vergard uh, Hagen. And I'm telling you, now, no one believes me this, but I remember seeing Vergard Hagen come on. Um, I think it was against Watford as a substitute. And he electrified the crowd. He electrified the crowd. He was, he was, he was like an injection of pure pace and excitement and everything. It, was, it reminded me a little bit when Raheem Sterling first came in, but obviously he's not very good and it's unfair to put Rob Jones in. Um, so Rob Jones is in there. Well, well, obviously everyone knows um, the, the general sense or the perception of Rob Jones is that if it wasn't for injuries, then you know he takes Gary Neville's place as a right back in England, and he gets 70, 80, um, 90 caps. But he was just, um, yeah, he was obviously um, undone by it. This comes into my wilderness years, so this is one where um, I'm probably going to go over to you, Satchin, in a second. So you'll probably be able to say a little bit more. Yeah. But one thing I, I do know is this might be quite a low bar. Well, Graham Sudes did say he was his best ever signing. Um, <laughs> that is a very that's the lowest of low bars. Well, a little bit, but nonetheless, he said it. So you know, he did yeah. say he's. Uh, you know, he did say he was. Uh, he, yeah, he was. He was up there. But yeah, he was obviously a talent. Um, there's people who probably who saw him play far more than me who be able to reset to specific games and everything. But I don't think there is any other realistic choice in the nineties. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me go through his stats then. Quickly. So he joined for, uh, on the fourth of October, nineteen ninety-one, for three hundred thousand pounds for the crew. His last appearance was the twenty-fifth of April, nineteen ninety-eight. He made two hundred forty-three appearances for Liverpool. Famously, I think it's a bit harsh because he wasn't fullback, but he has become known as a player never scored for Liverpool. He won the FA Cup and League Cup. Um, I've got to say, I absolutely love Rob Jones. Genuinely, one of my favourite Liverpool players of all time. Um, he's he was a full, for me a fullback head of his time. Really good defensively, but got forward really well. He played not just right back Liverpool, but left wing back in Roy Evans' team in the mid 90s when, when McAteer came. McAteer, um, we played that 3 5 2 during the kind of Collymore Fowler McManaman years. And he played, so McAteer went right wing back, Rob Jones went left wing back. He was still really good then. Um, and as you say, uh, injuries just crippled him. He got a really bad knee injury, I think, which just halted him in his tracks. Went to West Ham, I think he played one game there before he had to retire. Um, and for me, just an absolute outstanding footballer. I interviewed him about five years ago, I think it was, maybe long, seven years ago, I think. He's a really nice bloke as well. I'm a huge, huge Rob Jones fan. Um, 
And yeah, I think it's, as you say as well, he would have been, you know, he'd have played at Euro 96, World Cup 98, etc., etc. If he hadn't got the injuries he got, he's better than Gary Neville. I'm not just saying that because he played Liverpool, he's miles better than he was. Um, yeah, just a really good player. Uh, and famously as well, uh, talk about the goal thing, but he also marked Ryan Giggs out of the game um, on his debut. Liverpool played Man United on his debut at Old Trafford, nil nil. Uh, Rob Jones uh, had Ryan Giggs in his pocket. Uh, he's an absolutely outstanding player. Um, right, let me get on to mine then. So mine is Marcus Babel. He joined on the 1st of June 2000 in a free transfer from Bayern Munich. Last appearance was the 18th of December 2002. 73 appearances, six goals, which is pretty respectful for a fullback, I'd say. And he won the FA Cup, the League Cup, the UEFA Cup, of course, all part of 2001 treble, and also the Super Cup. Um, a very Gerard Houdet fullback, I think, in the sense that he was actually really a centre back, but he was uh, he was brilliant. I couldn't quite believe he got him because he was actually a properly good footballer when we were going through that shit time at the end of the nineties. Um, but he joined on free. He was absolutely brilliant. I actually wonder. It's a shame we got him. He was kind of the player we got when we got him in the sense that if we got him a few years later into the noughties, he would have been a brilliant centre back for us instead. Um, when we had some pretty poor centre backs, but. He, you know, he came when he came, and yeah, like Rob Jones, his career was was ended really because of well, in his case, illness. He got um, I'm not I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Gillian Barre syndrome, which is a, a muscle withering um, injury, basically kept him out for a year. I think he basically missed the entirety of the 2001-2002 season. Um, I remember seeing him. I think his comeback game was a 2002 Community Shield when we lost to Arsenal at, in Cardiff. 1-0. I was there and I think he came off the bench and you could just see he wasn't the same player. He looked a lot a lot thinner, uh, weaker, lost a lot of pace um, and it was a real shame. And it's, yeah, he left in 2002 and he should have really played for us for at least five or six years. So that was um, a big blow. Yeah, so lose Marcus Babel then. Um, Sub-important goals. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah Goodison Park scored against yeah. Sanderbest, didn't he? In the, um, yeah. You know, yeah. the UEFA Cup final. Um but yeah, for for the for the one of Goodison alone, um, I'll take for that. But it was interesting because when I was picking my team, I, I was convinced that we'd signed him in 1999, and no. I was absolutely gutted because I wanted him in, in, in my team. Um, not not least to hide my lack of knowledge of Rob Jones, to be honest. But uh, that's been exposed now. <laughs> Yeah, no, he came in that second summer. So you know, we had those two, we had those two big summers when we signed about yeah. twenty-seven players, and they did that big photograph in the main stand or wherever he was. Yeah, he was a second lot. Uh, but yeah, no, brilliant footballer. Right, let's get on to um, let's get on to Henry's choice. Um, Henry, do you want to just say who your player is, and I'll go through some basic stuff with him. Yeah, it's uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Indeed, so academy graduate made his debut on the twenty fifth of October, twenty sixteen. Uh, no last appearance, obviously. One hundred twenty five games already, which seems like a, a huge amount, but I mean he's that good, I guess. Six goals as well. Just already got as many goals as Marcus Babel, and he's won the Champions League, the Super Cup, Club World Cup. Henry uh, Trent is, I mean, he's just more than a fullback, isn't he? I think Barney Rone, my colleague at the Guardian, wrote a piece saying he's essentially Liverpool's playmaker as well. I mean, he's just um, he's unreal, isn't he? Yeah, he is a really, just once in a while, you do get that really special young English player that comes along at Liverpool, and he is that one for this generation, I think. He, he is he is an unreal player, really. And, and like you said, he is he is very much our playmaker. In a team full of some world-class players, he is the one that creates more than anyone. And it's just outrageous natural ability, really. Just, you know, those passes he hits across field, the quality of his crossing is... Every bit as good as Gerard, I think, is not better at his peak, which might be a big shout, but it is genuinely that good. And I think the fact that he's only 21 is just mad. You know, I think he's the youngest ever player to play in back-to-back Champions League finals, mm. I think, for anyone. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, barring serious injury, which Touchwood doesn't happen, you know, I don't see him, I, I can't see him not becoming a Liverpool legend in the next decade, really. Um, Yes, he's not the polished footballer quite yet in terms of his all-round defensive play. I think, you know, he, he can still be got at a little bit. We've seen people like Rashford give him tough games from time to time and, and a few others, Sané, I think. But, you know, that, he's only going to improve in that part of his game. And there's talk of him maybe going back to midfield one day. But for now, I don't see any reason to, to move him from right back. Um, what I would say is that I think Babel was, um, he was great as well. And I think that season... He won the cup treble, didn't he? I think he played about 60 times, which is insane. Mm. So, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. that's why I forgot it. But no, but but Trent is um yeah, he he's a generational talent for me and the influence that he's had on this team since he sort of come in for Klein, who was a very solid player, but he's just another level, world class and will only get better for me. Yeah, I mean, I can see him going into midfield and, and Nicky Williams going into right back at some point. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I did, but, yeah, um, I, I mean, Williams yeah, looks quality as well. And you can does, see Trent yeah. just kind of being a playmaker in midfield. I think. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, excellent. Should we vote? Unless you want to say anything on Treadmill? Are you happy to get them to the voting? Well, in a way, I think what I was going to say is, a, is around sort of the vote and uh, who I'm going to vote for and what have you in terms of, I mean, Henry's right in terms of, you know, there is still a slight question mark over defensively. And I reckon the other two, you know, are probably defensively maybe better than Trent. But, well, in terms of all-round game, as as uh, we'll go with the vote, I, I don't see how you can not put him in a right back because he's just, what did you say, Henry, a generational talent? I like that. I'll, I'll, <laughs> if I was still writing, I'd rob that. Um, <laughs> I, think I'd, I think I'd rob it from someone else. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Yeah. So and is that, that your pick then, Neil? You don't need yeah. to say, yeah? yeah, I mean, all I would say is, like, already I think that Leicester game, the one that we played just after yeah. Christmas, is one that you'll look yeah. back in yeah. years. That's the one that, you, you know, you'd watch on, like, well, or DVDs, like, stream or whatever, and you'd look back as key game in for Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think he's had quite a few where, uh, uh, you know, he really stepped up a level, but that game is probably the best game he's had in a Liverpool share. I think so that's I might the best. Be- Best by an individual player this season, I think, for Liverpool personally. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I did. Yeah, yeah. Since he buys here for me, but yeah, I definitely go for Trent all day long. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Neil, uh, sorry, so yeah, Neil, your pick is Trent. Um, Henry, who are you going for between Rob Jones and Marcus Babel? Uh, I, I don't quite remember Jones enough, but yeah. I take both of your words. I do, I do say to you, but I think I have to go for Babel. Right, so that's. Superb, superb all round player. Yeah, so that leaves my pick. Now, I am genuinely torn on this because I, I really do love Rob Jones. I've got a weird kind of fascination with him and uh, I, I really adored him as a kid. If I pick Rob Jones, we've got a tie, which gets makes things really messy. So to make things easier, and also because I just agree with you guys, I think he's absolutely outstanding. I am going to go with Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back as well. So Trent is our right back. So it's a very strong start for the 2010s. And I feel... Uh, it's going to continue that way into our next position, which is left back. Um, and this is Neil. Neil's gone for another mad shout here. Um, Neil, do you want to say who, who your left back uh, choice is? And then I'll say, uh, I'll go through all the stats for him. I'll be dead quick on it so we can move on to your two and the, the proper discussion. Right. There's, there's, there's literally no good left backs to pick from. Uh, in the 90s, who was signed or debuted in the 90s. But uh, Stigging Bjornaby, you know, he did play nearly 200 games. Um, I think Stig is a little bit like the skirtle of the 90s in terms of, you know, he was around for a long time. He was probably in people's minds just there as symptomatic of like a bad defence and what have you. But for longevity through the 90s, you know, he was there. He was part of that team, 96, 97, that, you know, where there was you know a title portion. Uh, I, I don't think they were ever really going to win it, to be honest. But, um, so, you know, th- there is that. But th- there's really few to pick from. So I'll just pick Bjornaby for that reason. He was, you know, he was a decent player. Yeah. Yeah, so he joined in the 80s, 
I might be wrong. Yeah, no, I think you might just win this. He's suddenly <laughs> becoming a really important player. Um, no, you might be right on that. Yeah, no, you're right. There wasn't there wasn't many good left backs. And speaking of not very good left backs, let's go on to my choice. Um, I might be being a bit harsh there, but um, I, I'm genuinely intrigued to get your guys' thoughts on this player. And that player is John Arnaisa. So joined Liverpool on the 20th of June 2001, with four million pounds from Monaco. His last appearance was the 30th of April 2008. 348 games for Liverpool, 31 goals. That's pretty decent for a fullback, I'd suggest. And he won the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League, and the Super Cup. Now, when I instinctively think of Risa, I smile. And that's basically because of one goal. I think we all know which goal I'm talking about the, um, the free kick against Man United, one of my favourite Liverpool goals of all time. Obviously, I also put the cross in for Gerard um, in the Champions League, the first of the three goals. But that aside, I'm sort of quite indifferent on Risa. I I sort of can't remember his career in a way. Like, I can't remember if he was good or not. And also, I know people who absolutely hate him. Carl, Carl Kopak hates John Arisa <laughs> with an absolute passion. I mean, Neil Atkinson, who presents the Anfield Rap, I think he despises him as well. Yeah. So he is someone who, who really divides opinion. I'll come on to you, Henry, first. I mean, where are you with Risa? Because I am genuinely, I don't sort of know you in a way. I think it's a bit of a mad one with him. I think there's a bit of middle ground. I don't. I don't get how people really hate him so much when he, he did still contribute quite a lot mm. over not far off a decade. When you, yeah. you know, the United goal, over 30 goals, as you mentioned, you know, there were, yes, scored in the derby. There was, he did a hell of a lot of good. And I think possibly the fact that he scored that own goal against Chelsea in the, the Champions League semi-final at a yeah, point when, yeah. at a point when he was also on the decline. So he wasn't, he wasn't playing as well. I think, I think he's, he's one of those players that you forget. You remember him by the end of his career more than the start. But I think that those sort of early to mid-2000s, I think he was good. I think he was a good player. He was certainly never my favourite. The fact that he used to choose to shoot from distance so often and fire it into the cop did my head in. But I think he's been a little bit harshly treated over time, to be fair. I mean, he, he, he wasn't great by any means. He had his flaws, but I, I don't get the hate for him. Yeah, I think Hayes probably a strong word. I think it's exactly what you said. Uh, it's that thing of shooting from long range. I know Carl, I think same with Neil Atkinson. They both just yeah. became infuriated with him for just shooting from long range from all the time. And um, I think it was a game PSV away in the Champions League, I think 2006 um, sort of. I think that's a game that really gets Carl's go a lot. Where he, I, I mean, he, I'm making this up, but he sort of had about 29 long range shots or something. They all went over or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, Neil, Paul, where are you with, with John Arnaisa? I'd file under good servant. Yeah, you know, yeah. I find it hard to hate and whatever, you know, because he's yeah. part of quite a bit of success. And I know a lot of that might not necessarily be like, let's say the Steven Gerrard figure, where if it wasn't for him, we don't. Care. But, you know, he's part of an era of some success and a good side. I, I've always thought of, um, but, I, yeah, I've always thought of Lisa as a little bit of like of a match of the day player in terms <laughs> of, I yeah. think, Fans of opposition teams think he's better than he is. Yeah, I've had discussions yeah. with like mates in the past who are Liverpool fans who think we all love Risa and think he's a really good player. And when you turn around and say, no, actually, well, you have to watch him week in, week out. He's, he's just not good enough. Um, and they're really, really surprised. But if you could do, he's, you know, if you can do a highlights reel or you can pick out like one, you know, one of his good games, you know, where, you know, he's just, you know, he causes, other defence at all time and you know he's just doing you know he's just doing good things going forward more so that I think he can look like a better player um, than he is and I think that's a perception probably outside Liverpool so no he as I said good servant probably nothing more but I certainly don't hate him or dislike him yeah I might be uh, I might be getting a bit over the top with hate when I'm talking about Carl and, and Neil Atkinson they probably don't hate I'm not sure you are <laughs> I've, yeah. heard them, I've heard them talk about <laughs> really yeah. Yeah. I think it probably is hate yeah Maybe it is. Anyway, let's move on to um, let's move on to Henry's choice for left back. Uh, Henry, do you want to say who it is? And I'll go through the basic facts and figures. Oh, yeah, Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson. Yeah. So joined Liverpool on twenty first of July, twenty seventeen, for ten million pounds from Hull. Obviously, um, no last appearance. Uh, total appearances so far: one hundred nineteen, three goals, won the Champions League, the Super Cup, and the Club World Cup. Um, yeah, I think 
what Andy Robertson for me, Henry, shows is just how superb we have become the transfer market under Jurgen Klopp. Just an absolutely inspired signing. My only negative of Andy Robertson is I think he's on social media a bit too much. He comes across as a bit of a uh, a bit of a social media obsessive. But that aside, absolutely adore the fella. Um, he's just brilliant. Isn't he? Yeah, he really is. I, I, I actually, um, one of the few who sort of was quite happy when because he, he sort of arrived to a fairly kind of you know, lukewarm sort of reception. But I, I remember seeing him a few times for Hull, and they were crap, really. But he always, he always just stood out for me a little bit. I sort of had a soft spot for him. So when he signed, I was sort of quite happy, especially as Moreno was sort of doing my head in at the same time. And uh, he's just been, you know, he, I think he, I think he got man of the match on his debut, which I think was against Palace. And um, you know, it didn't. It took a little time to kind of settle properly, but hmm. give it sort of three or four months, and he's just—it's just been absolutely outstanding. Probably one of the most consistent players we've had in that period under Klopp. Um, very strong defender, great going forward. Yeah, I think if it wasn't for Trent sort of outshining him a little bit in terms of assists, you know, he still gets a lot himself, and I think he'd get even more praise for his for his end product. He's just—he's just so reliable. But, you know, he's far more than just a solid left back. He offers so much going forward. And, and I, I love the fact that he's, I, I like a snide player. And he is, I think he didn't start off that way at Liverpool, but as he's maybe got more confident in the Liverpool shirt and stuff, he's, I think he is the man that I imagine United fans, City fans, Chelsea fans probably hate more than any other Liverpool player because he's, see how he's wound up Messi and Suarez and mm. Tom Davis, Perez. There's been so many and he's, He's just that little kind of pest that you love if he plays for your team and, and if he doesn't, you hate it, which kind of makes me love him even more, really. So, yeah, just a, a great player, great, seems like a great person and um, sort of tend to agree a little bit about the social media thing, but I can accept that. Yeah, no, you're right on the snide. I think it's lovely. The, the one with Tom Davis where he's rattled yeah. him in the derby in December was actually brilliant. Excellent. Well, let's vote on this then. So, um, I'll go first because it's very easy for me between... <laughs> Stigging the Bjornaby and Andy Robertson. I'll obviously go Andy Robertson. Uh, Neil, do you... Yeah, Neil, you should go... No, sorry, Henry, you should go next, because, again, I think it's pretty straightforward for you as well. Yeah, I'll go Risa. Yeah, Risa. And Neil, so you're between Risa and Robertson. Probably easy for you as well, I'm thinking, but... Yeah, based on the the famous Manchester City run and the equaliser this season um, against Villa, um, Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson. Right, so Alison in goal, Trent right back, Andy Robertson left back. It's uh, very 2010 orientated so far. Let's see if it continues as uh, we continues on that theme as we go to centre backs. Now, what's happened with the centre backs is Neil and Henry gave me two centre backs, uh, obviously, and I've separated them into different categories. So I've done this without them knowing, but the only reason I did was Jordan before we started uh, doing this podcast that we have to kind of separate them out a little bit. So what I've done is I've gone with sort of leader centre back, the man who you know would possibly wear the captain's armband or, or, or organised back four, and his partner. So let's do the partners first. So you guys actually don't know who I've chosen um, as the partner centre back in your choices. It's pretty obvious, but um, I will read them out. So Neil, your uh, partner centre back is Jamie Carragher. So he's another academy graduate. Made his debut on the eighth of January nineteen ninety seven. Last appearance was on the nineteenth of May twenty thirteen. 737 appearances for Liverpool. I think second highest attendance record behind Ian Callaghan. Five goals. He won the FA Cup twice, the League Cup three times, the UEFA Cup once, the Champions League once, and the Super Cup twice. Um, and a bona fide Liverpool legend, isn't he? Yeah, and I, I, I know I know we wanted to sort of rattle on a little bit, so I'll just I'll be uh, briefer on this one. I would say longevity. I would say um, Istanbul performance alone. Yeah. Uh, I would say his importance to Gerard in that team and to be, being that vice captain. I know we've got him as partner here, but him as a um, as a character before. Obviously, he was a centre um, you know centre back. He's played right back and left back also as well. I think people forget when he started off. I used to sit in the um, centenary stand. He's a um, right back. He used to get he used to get a ton of time off the fans. He used to get some. Take abuse, and um, it's sort of, I think that's glossed over a little bit now. And he came through quite a few tricky years and really, really grew as a player and became like a joint leader very much with um, with Gerard. And there was a few years around the sort of the, 
around 2005, either side, where it was really unfortunate in terms of, you know, other centre-halves who were in the league, you know, like Ferdinand, Terry and whatever, that he never got more England caps. I know he's not bothered about England and I know we might not be necessarily, but I think nationally it's a little bit like the opposite of Visa. He's probably, un- I think he's underrated outside mm. of Liverpool fans. And yeah, for me, yeah, club legend, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think Carragher himself underplays how good he was as well. You know, here on TV mm. now, Sky, he always said, oh, I was never as good as John Terry or yeah, Ferdinand Sol Campbell. I mean, okay, maybe he wasn't, but I, th- I do think he was better than he makes out. And I think for a couple of years, as you say, around sort of 2006, 2007, I think he was one of the best centre-backs in the country. And he didn't have the consistency over a long period of time that Ferdinand or Terry or um, Sol Campbell had, Ledley King perhaps, although he had major injury issues. But I think for there was about a two-year period where he held his own. But he, you know, either side of that cross, he didn't have the devils they had. But I, yeah, I think he was, you know, everything you said and... And I do think his quality is underplayed a lot as well. I think he's absolutely outstanding. Um, right, let me get on to mine then. So, Daniel Agger uh, joined Liverpool on the 12th of January 2006 for £5.8 million from Bromby. Last appearance was 11th of May 2014. 232 appearances, four goals. He won one trophy with us, which was the League Cup. Uh, he has proved for me that you can buy good plays in January because he came in the January transfer window and he was excellent. Um, and one, I mean, look, he's a really good defender. I think we all know he's kind of blighted massively by injuries. Um, and just one thing I want to say on Agger, really, it's something you said, Neil, when we did a, pod, a run a podcast with Matt Ladston um, a while back about famous European nights. Do you remember the thing you said about his goal against Chelsea in that semi-final, how it was a free kick routine that Rafa had kept up his sleeve? Do you remember talking about that? And he sort of brought it out for just this one um, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, Rafa had a... Uh, yeah. I, 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 by the way, that's not like any inside knowledge. I just read it in Rafa's book. Um, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, that particular uh, routine, it was... Rafa's really, really keen on spreading out free kick routines. You know, like you literally have, have one that you might only use like one a season um, and that you, you hold back and that was one of them, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I thought it was just really interesting. Now he's outstanding centre-back, I think. I mean, I think Inju just obviously blighted him as well. And he came at the sort of tail end of his career was, was when things were going a bit crap under kind of... Was that fair? Yeah, we played the Hodgson era, didn't we, and stuff, in the Kenny era where we couldn't defend for shit. So uh, his time was probably not the best. But yeah, very, very good player. Okay, let's get on to Henry's choice then for uh, first centre-back. And it is Joe Gomez, joined Liverpool from Charlton for £6 million on the 20th of June 2015. Uh, total appearances so far exactly 100 and he has won the Champions League Super Cup and the Club World Cup um, Henry I know you said when you sent over your team that you had a bit of a battle in your mind between Gomez and Matic for this position why did you go with Gomez in the end? It was tough I, I, he just edged it for me I mean Matic probably was our best player in the Champions League final I think to be fair and he's, he's been really solid but I think in terms of potential Gomez is certainly better and I think he's been over he's he's obviously been injury prone but he's had two separate spells alongside Van Dyke when he's been really sort of imperious so I think you know he's great on the ball he's light and fast he just looks a class act uh, and someone that I see sort of if he can sort of stay fit long term being that that long-term partner for Van Dyke and, and probably being a, a star man for England as well so I think that gave him gave him the edge, but probably needs to keep doing it for a little bit longer before he's sort of a real sort of top Liverpool sort of legend, I suppose. Yeah. Excellent. Well, let's do some voting for this. I think this is a bit of formality, but let's go through it anyway. Henry, do you want to go first? Daniel Agger or Jamie Carragher for the first centre-back in this Liverpool team? Yeah, Carragher for me. Yeah, so I've got Carragher or Gomez. Yeah, absolutely shearing Carragher as well. So he's won already, but let's just get Neil's vote out just for sheer curiosity. Neil, if you're voting, if you had to pick out Agra or Gomez, who would you go for? Uh, probably go Gomez, to be honest, just because of Agra's um, injuries and what have you. Maybe a little bit Empress New Clothes um, with Agra. Good player, but maybe not quite as... Uh, good as he's revered by some, so I'm, I'm but still great. But I'm gonna go Gomez, Gomez. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Well, it is Jamie Carragher. So the first non 2010s player in the team is Jamie Carragher. Excellent. Right, let's go on to the second centre back. So this is the the leader, if you like, the person who's organising the back four. And um, we've got three very interesting choices: two absolute titans and one clown. So um, let's <laughs> let's get through this. Um, <laughs> 
Neil, uh, you can say who your other centre back is then. That is Sammy Hippier. Sammy Hippier, yeah. Joined Liverpool on 19th of May, 1999, for £2.5 from Willem Tway. Last appearance, the 24th of May, 2009. 464 appearances, 35 goals. He's won, he won two FA Cups, two League Cups, one Champions League, one UEFA Cup, and two Super Cups. Neil, if I have a son, my wife is uh, thankfully agreed to let me call him Sammy. Uh, that's how much I love this man. Um, and I think he was as transformative for Liverpool as the man that Henry's going to pick in terms of our defending. Because as you all re- well remember, because you're out of the audience by then, we were shit at defending um, just before Sammy came. We were yeah. desperate for a centre-back. Uh, we were linked with all sorts. Robert Ayala, Taribo West, I remember. We finally got this guy that nobody heard of. And within about three games, it was pretty obvious he was exceptional, isn't it? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he was there cheap. And he he is he's the sort of that, that reset button to the 90s. For me, you've gone through that sort of Spice Boys era. You've gone through sort of, you know, people like Paul Ince and everyone just generally like taking a piss a little bit. And then you get Hule, he comes in and he, and Hule in his first full season on his own um, with, without um, Roy Evans. Um, it's, this is like his foundation stone, um, um, Hippia, and he just comes in and he's absolutely brilliant. Exactly like you said, he's like the first good defender we've had in years, uh, and everything else really builds from that. And especially that Julia side, it was all it was a, it was a defensive side. It was all built on the defense, and it was important to therefore get these good centre halves. So we'll come on to my other. Uh, well, he was actually I never chose and stepping on show, but he was obviously part of that. Uh, mm. Partnership and the two of them together were really, really um, important. Um, scores a goal um, in Europe as well at Anfield um, against uh, Juventus, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's like there's, you know there's all, there's those like highlights and moments with Hippier as well. But he he to me is the start of what is that actually Carragher at the time. I remember watching on Sky at the time. This is another reason like Carragher he's always been very very aware. Of what's going on and the, the reality and the context of the situation. Carragher said it around 2000, 2001. Um, people aren't giving us credit, but this this is a golden period now. You know, we could win three cups, which it was at the time. Um, and and he was right. You know, you look back, I mean, the amount of years that we haven't won anything since, you know, like around then, we've only won a bit. And Hippier was really, really fundamental at the start of that and the first building block. Um, and, it's, and for like, you know, two million or whatever, it was just a ridiculous bargain. Yeah, absolutely exceptional. Um, Henry, anything you want to say on him before we move on? Totally agree on that, really. He was just a, a, another sort of colossus um, at the back, really. I, I remember him signing and wanting to sort of get some big name, like you mentioned Ayala, and just wondering who the hell he was and thinking, you know, this is just going to be another one of these 90s, you know, flaky centre backs is not good enough, and he just quickly showed straight away how good he was. And just seemed such, such a great lad as well, and just yeah, made up for a lack of pace just by having such great positional awareness. Um, great leader, had a big goal in him, and just yeah, just just loved him to bits. Really, I think it was a decade he spent there in the end. Yeah, exactly. And, 10 years, yeah, and he, yeah, and he yeah. was just yeah, he was just an absolute. But I hope he doesn't get kind of forgotten about over time among the kind of Premier League great centre-backs because he should be up there for me he should be sort of top 10 yeah I think he's outstanding right let's go on to my choice uh, Martin Skirtle so join Liverpool from uh, Zenit St Petersburg move on, move on. Jesus Christ yeah, let's just get through this let's get through this that's covered whole pads we can get through this. the quicker we get through this the, the, the quicker we'll get to the other side <laughs> so 11th of January 2008 £6 million from Zenit St Petersburg his last appearance was the 15th of May 2016 328 games. He actually scored 18 goals for Liverpool, which is pretty impressive, and he won the League Cup. Uh, so, yeah, my heart's not really in this. Um, <laughs> he, had, he had one good season for Liverpool, which is the 2011-2012 season. I think he might have actually been voted off the season that year as well when he won the League Cup against Cardiff um, and the Kenny season, essentially. Um, but otherwise, I think he was very poor. And he, he was a coward for me as well. I've never seen a centre-back back off a player running at him so much uh, as much as mine still the, the one that stands in my mind is that Anthony Martial goal at Old Trafford oh, in God. 2015 where he backed off so much he almost fell into the strep for them um, <laughs> just not very good uh, so let's move on because he's not getting this team let's get on to Henry's choice um, Henry do you want to say who it is and I'll go through 
Las Vegas. Virgil van Dijk. Virgil van Dijk, indeed. So join Liverpool on the 1st of January 2018 for £75 million pounds from Southampton. 113 games, 11 goals. He's won the Champions League, the Super Cup and the Club World Cup. The thing I'll say on Van Dijk, Henry, is that I think as I've been watching the football for 30 years and during a period that long, you kind of think you've seen every type of footballer. So you might see a brilliant attacking midfielder, but you've seen that type of attacking midfielder before. It's just that he's a good version of that. Van Dijk is almost like a type of centre-back I've never seen before. He's It's like if you were creating a centre-back in a science lab, you'd create Virgil van Dijk. He is just a machine in human skin. In human skin. He can do absolutely everything. I actually, sometimes when I'm in the, in the ground watching Liverpool, my eyes naturally drawn to him. I'm always excited when the ball comes towards us because I want to see what Van Dijk's going to do with it, how he's just going to get out of trouble and get us back on the front foot. And he's just he's just exceptional, isn't he? Yeah, for me, the most important signing Klopp's made. Uh, probably one of the most influential signings we've made in the Premier League era. Just, I could never, I could just talk about it forever. How good he is! He's just, he is just beyond belief. Everything you just said, you just, you think you've seen it all, and he is just, he is just perfection as a centre back. He, he is without fault. And I actually, my, my dad actually said, my dad's not a Liverpool fan, and he's not one to kind of go overboard about you know, forgetting about the past and overrating current players. But he said to me that Van Dijk was the best centre back he's ever seen. Wow. And he's been and he's been watching football since the sixties and, and he said and I, I I kept rattling off players, you know, Beresi and Beckenbauer and Bobby Moore and all these people and he said, Yeah, he said he's he's better. He he just said he is and he, and I've never I've just never seen a defender like him. He, he's quick, strong He's tall. He's a great leader. He's incredible on the ball. He's just—he's just got everything. And I just think without him, I think—I think his signing was the moment Liverpool really went up another gear. There was obviously that—that four-one away to Tottenham when Lovren got subbed, and it just—and we hadn't signed him in the, the previous summer, and people had lost their heads a bit. And he came in in the January. Just from that moment, you know, we were in a Champions League final a few months later, and won it the year after. Hopefully, about to win the Premier League. And I think so much of that is down to him. He's just got that. Ability to improve everyone around him, and he's made Robertson look better. He's made Gomez, he's made the midfield look better. He's just an unbelievable footballer. Yeah, spot on. Uh, right, so we get voting then. Uh, Neil, you've got a pretty easy choice. Let's get, let's do it anyway. Are you voting for Virgil Van Dyke or Mike Skirtle? <laughs> well, no, Virgil, Virgil Van Dyke. Uh, I have got. Uh, sorry, Henry, you go next. Are you voting for Sammy Hippier or Martin Skirtle? That would be Hippier for me. I have the deciding vote, lads. I'm going Hippier. I'm sorry. I know that was a bit shocking. Controversy. I absolutely adore Sammy Hippier. And it then allows me to play Carrigal alongside Sammy Hippier, which is the Istanbul centre back partnership. Uh, controversial, I know, but I love him. Sorry, Henry. I absolutely adore him. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I've just eulogised over um, Hippier and um, I'm disgusted in your choice there, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, Sammy. So I just love him, and um, I did compromise on Rob Jones and Trent. Um, so I'm going yeah. to get. Fair. I'm going to go the other way. I mean, Van Dyke is probably a better footballer than Sammy Hippier, but I just adore Sammy. Ten years service as well, and I do genuinely think he was as transformative as Van Dyke was uh, in terms of just sorting mm. us out at the back. Right, let's go to defensive midfield. Now, this is a really, really strong category. So, um, intrigued to see who wins this because I don't think it's necessarily straightforward to all things. So, uh, do you just want to say your choice first, Neil? Uh, Didi Herman. Didi Herman. So, joined Liverpool for uh, £8 million from Newcastle on the 22nd of July 1999. Last appearance was the 13th of May 2006. 282 games, 11 goals. He won two FA Cups, two League Cups, the UEFA Cup. Champions League and two Super Cups. Um, and he was just really, really good, wasn't he, Neil? Yeah. I mean, and, and again, he's part of... I mean, it's going to be dead, it's going to be interesting when we go through all of our defensive um, midfielders here. In terms of you realise how absolutely instrumental they are in each of these mm. different sides throughout the decades. Um, and Diddy man is no different to that. And rather than talk at length of, like, you know, a myriad of different qualities... You only have to look at the Istanbul final, and essentially it changes when he comes on. That that's yeah. how mm. that's how important he is. There's obviously other reasons why we go on to win that game, and it's not just all about one player, but it shows how 
absolutely important he was defensively uh, to us. And I also just like the fact that even in relatively modern football terms, he was like a bit of a throwback in terms of like, you know, he smoked, was terrible in training. But uh, <laughs> Rafa just, uh, just uh, not Rafa, um, sorry, yeah, Rafa, yeah, it was Rafa yeah, in particular. Rafa, yeah, 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 he was signing the nice, he's, oh, so he's really, and Rafa, what he, um, but like, we used to do Rafa's heading, um, all of that. But he's still playing because he was just so good in the game, and you couldn't drop him. But it made no effort in training whatsoever. So you know he was a bit of a character. He doesn't talk. He could be a little bit annoying now as a pundit. But forgetting that and putting that aside, um, yeah, great player for us. Yeah, really, really canny player. I think he's a player who just kind of do that thing of wasting time as well. He would just kind of fall fall down if we were under pressure and he had the ball and he was surrounded by two players and win us a free kick and just take the pressure. I think he was. Really, really smart. And yeah, key. I think that team was sort of 99, 2000. Um, when we started turning the corner, becoming a proper sort of good football team, I think he was absolutely fundamental to that. Um, excellent. Right, I'll go to my choice then. Javier Mascherano. So he joined the report on officially, or as a permanent sign on the 29th of February 2008, having been on loan for £18.6 million from West Ham. His last appearance was the 15th of August 2010. 139 appearances, two goals. He won nothing at Liverpool, which is a shame, obviously. He was part of my, before the team that won the Champions League last year, my favourite Liverpool team of all time, which is the 08-09 team. Um, he left in very unfortunate circumstances. He basically stopped playing for us. But also, you couldn't blame him because that was when Hodgson just took over. So I think it was a game Man City away and Trabzons were away. I think yeah. two games in a row refused to play for us. But um, the thing with Mascherano is, for me, he is personification or sort of epitomises why you have to be ruthless as a manager in the transfer market because we had Momo Sissoko, who I absolutely loved. He got that really bad eye injury against Benfica in the in the Champions League around 2006. Uh, he kind of lost his way after that, but he was still playing, but he just wasn't the same player. Rafa spotted um, that he might need replacing, spotted that Mascherano was available, signed him. I was genuinely quite disappointed in signing because I knew he was kind of Sissoko's replacement. But then within about a game, I was like, fuck me, this guy is just absolutely exceptional. Uh, different to Haman, I'd say. Well, Haman, I think, sort of controlled the midfield from that deep line position, whereas Mascherano was just basically a rat. Uh, just ran around, making loads of tackles, winning the spoiler. ball. Spoiler. It's a spoiler. Absolutely it? spoiler. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's the key word. Um, and yeah, I adored him and I was gutted when he left. Absolutely gutted when he left. But uh, And he left, as I said, in very unfortunate circumstances. But um, yeah, I could understand as well because Hodgson had taken over. Um, brilliant. Should we move on to Fabinho now? Unless anyone wants to say anything about Mascherano? No, no. Apart from that, I just totally agree with all that. I absolutely loved him. He's one of my favourite players in that, that 08, 09 team. He was so influential. So yeah, just echo what you said, really. Yeah, yeah this whole, This whole. Brilliant. Well, I just gave away Henry's choice there, so um, I'll just say it again. It's Fabinho. Uh, no shock there, probably. So he joined Liverpool for £43.7 million from Monaco on the 1st of July 2018. 72 games so far, two goals, won the Champions League and the Super Cup. Um, Henry, he's not been very good, has he, since he's come back through injury. But prior to that, um, just brilliant. I mean, he took a bit of time as well, didn't he? I think he was probably United game around Christmas of last season. So that would have been, what, December 2018. For me, that felt like a real turning point for him in that, in that game he won. It was it 3-1 when yeah. was, uh, Mourinho's last game wasn't that one? And that felt like a big turning point in his Liverpool career. Yeah, he had, his, his career has literally got three stages. He had that, that iffy yeah. bit to begin with as he got used to kind of clock style. And then he was just superb. And then kind of since January when he came back, he's almost forgotten how to play football. <laughs> and it's just been terrible. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to gloss over that because I think that because football fans are typically kind of short term that they're suddenly having a go at him and maybe forgetting how good he's been because I think for that spell last season he was he was so important and he is exactly that kind of player we've missed ever since Mascherano left for me which was you know nearly a decade we went without having someone like that and yeah. he's just had a huge influence he's just on his when he's when he's at his best he's an absolute monster and he's just put in a few performances that have just been, I think, City earlier in the season at home when he obviously yeah. scored and it was just outstanding. And I think he's just he's just added balance. He's got that kind of tactical kind of awareness that too too many of our players who have attempted to play in that kind of number six sort of role haven't had. And he's he's great on the ball. I think that's one of his most underrated parts of his play. He's clipped some great balls. For, there was one for Mane when he scored against United and 
Um, mm. Another one last season. I can't I think it was maybe Henderson scored against Spurs earlier this season. But just just his all round game. I think he's been he's been exactly what our midfield has has lacked for too long. And even though he looks about forty seven, <laughs> he's only, only twenty six. I think so. He's got he should have a, a lot a lot of time ahead of him. So I think he's he's got it in him to to be a really really top player for Liverpool for the next five six years. Yeah, he's, he's adapted. Well, he's adapted well as. Sorry, I was just going to say he's yeah, adapted well because yeah. when he came in, I don't think he played in the four-three-three before. I remember he had a bit of an iffy, an iffy game um, Arsenal um, away, and then I think for a little bit we went to like a four-two-three-one just to help my bed in. But then obviously we went back to the four-three-three, and he's got it now. So like you know, he's had like to make sort of system changes to change what he has to do a little bit, and you know, as Henry said, his form hasn't been great since he's um, come back. Well, before that, and like the last year, he's been uh, he's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. I remember Andy Brassel, the European football journalist, who sort of knows everything about European football. I remember him saying, "You remember that great Monaco team that got to the semi-final of Champions League a few years yeah. ago?" He said, kind of after that run, and when the team was breaking up, and Mbappe went to PSG, and Bakayoko went to Chelsea, and Mendy went to City. He said the best player in that team was Fabinho. Uh, and the, uh, it was key that Monaco kept. I think they re- worked really hard to make sure he stayed, and then he left the summer later to join us. Mm. But he, I remember him saying at the time, he's their best player. And that, so his name stuck in my head. So when we signed him, I was absolutely delighted until we obviously got someone who's very good. Excellent. Right, this could be quite an interesting choice then. So I um, said, so I'll go first. Uh, so I've got either Didi Man or Fabino. I will go with Didi Man, obviously. Neil, uh, you have got Mascherano or Fabino. I actually think Fabino is the better footballer, the better technician as such, but I've got, you know, it's a bit like you'd be a hippie Van Dyke choice. You just have a soft spot for some players or they just remind you of a particular time or there's just something special about them. It's, you know, they've got to have a place in your heart and Mascherano is very much that player for me, so I've got Mascherano. Fair enough. And that means then, Henry, you have the deciding vote between Didi Herman and Javier Mascherano. Uh, I love the man. I thought he was great, but I love Mascherano that little bit more. So it'll be in. Fantastic. So Mascherano is the defensive midfielder in this team. And that's the end of part one of this runner special in which myself, Neil Poole and Henry Jackson pick a Liverpool team made out of players from the 90s, the noughties and the 2010s. Do tune into part two to find out who else has made this team. Podcast Network.